This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, April 12th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, a closer look at the San Miguel snowpack. Smart launches new app. The practice of tea and taro. And a mountain weather forecast. Much of the West. It's drinking in irrigation water, its natural resources, its hydropower, depends upon the Colorado River. And while the Colorado River basin is vast, comprising multiple states, its headwaters do begin in the Colorado Rockies with their winter snowpack. However, Brian DeMoncos, who surveys the snowpack for the U.S. Department of Natural Resources, says snowpack level is more than a single number. And in Colorado is definitely uh, always an interesting state. Uh, there is, there's more to the story than just, you know, explaining the Colorado snowpack uh, as a whole. We really want to look at, you know, some of the specific areas in, in Colorado. And So starting right here in San Miguel County, how much snow has packed into the San Juans this winter? Generally in Colorado, DeMonco says. Uh, the further west you go, the better snowpack gets. You look at the San Miguel Basin, uh, the Dolores Basin, the snowpacks there are, um, are about 180% of normal, 200% of normal in some cases on these smaller basins. While our immediate area has nearly twice its average snowpack, the numbers across Colorado are very variable, explains Demoncos. Further north, you know, closer to the Front Range and the headwaters of the Colorado River Basin, uh, snowpack is near to slightly above normal. Uh, then the headwaters of the Colorado uh, snowpack is about 120 percent of normal. On the Front Range, which drains not into the Colorado Basin but into the Arkansas River, the numbers tend to be even lower. DeMoncos additionally explains that a high snowpack does not translate directly into good stream flows. If spring is sunny and dry, for example, a lot of the snow will evaporate. Still, with some areas breaking snowpack records, DeMoncos poses the question water watchers across the West are asking. Uh, will that runoff help uh, the reservoir levels in Lake Powell and maybe even Lake Mead? Yes, it should help out some. The question is, is how much? Again, that future precipitation uh, piece really will play into how efficient the runoff will be. But at this point, it's probably safe to say uh, that we will get better than normal runoff this year, and it should help uh, some of those reservoirs that have been below normal make a comeback. Of course, the future of water in the West cannot be seen just from one season's snowpack report, as so much depends upon what is to come, both in the natural world and in human management decisions. Still, the extra snow, DeMonco says, will be great at, uh, you know, really uh, quenching the thirst of, of the drought that we're seeing. Will it entirely quench uh, the thirst of the drought? No. Um, and we don't really want it to. If we, were, if we received that much snowpack, um, you know, then we would have more of a concern for flooding uh, and, and other potential uh, hazards. Predicted stream flows at the beginning of April are up roughly 150 percent for the San Miguel and Dolores River basins. Elsewhere in the Colorado River basin, those numbers are up even higher with some areas in Nevada and Utah expecting stream flows to be more than triple their long-term average this coming spring. Whether or not those forecast flows come through, only time will tell. You're at the bus stop. Look down the road, check your watch, but there's no bus to be found. 
Anyone that's used public transit knows the feeling of limbo, waiting for the bus or train to arrive. But those in San Miguel County need worry no more. The first thing I see is a little blue dot uh, where I am, and um, the closest, the the bus route that's running right now, which is the off-season, and um, it shows me that the off-season bus is just below my door. And if I were to run out really quickly right now, I could flag it down and get on it. That's Carrie DiStefano, operations manager for the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation. She's describing a new app, Smart Launched, to allow riders to see where their bus is in real time and help individuals navigate the bus schedule into the future. The point is for people to be able to see where their bus is, if it's on route or if it's not coming, we we hope that never happens, but um, that's, you know, that's the overriding part. Um, this particular app that we have also has a great feature for people that are visiting who may be unfamiliar with the area, don't know where the bus services are, and would like to get, say, from Telluride to the Mountain Village or Telluride to Lawson Hill or Telluride to Norwood, whatever it may be. The app is called Transit. You'll see the logo. It's, it's a little green box with a white, it, it kind of looks like a snake. It's got, it's an S shape and it's got little a little dot on each end of the S shape. The app is available for download on Apple or Android devices. So you just download that. It takes, I don't know, I think less than a minute. And um, the app will ask you, to allow your to allow if you can um, ha, if if the app can access your location and you you want to do that or it won't know which lines to show you and then it shows you a list of the the routes that are in your area and then it also has a little green box that that allows you to tell it where you want to go. The Transit app also works with regional transportation and will show the schedules of the bus staying heading north or south. According to DiStefano, the aim of the app is to help riders have more confidence in where their bus is, hopefully limiting calls to smart, and allow visitors or those new to the area understand the bus system better. The other idea was that you could, when the weather was bad, you could sit in your house for as long as possible, and when you saw the little icon that shows the bus like for example Lawson coming up the hill I can run out and like wait till the last minute and run out and get on it. The smart transit app is currently available for download on Apple or Android phones making regional public transit hopefully a smoother ride. Jade Rose got her first tarot deck when she was just 10 years old. A few years ago, she began to combine tarot readings with tea ceremonies at the Mountain Gate Tea House. The tea house is now losing its space and closing, but the community that has formed around tea and tarot will continue on with readings in the library's Telluride room. Rose, who has studied and written books on tarot and is even now designing her own deck, visited Kodo to talk about the tea and tarot practice. 
So tea ceremony is a really special, beautiful art, and there's a few of us who are um, trained to do tea ceremony, and we we practice in the Taiwanese tradition, which is also the Chinese tradition. One of the most beautiful presences that feels quite palpable to me are the trees that the tea comes from. So. The trees that we source come from China, and they're all—they've all been treated with reverence, and they're old-growth trees, which means they're at least 800 years old. And sometimes we're drinking tea from trees that are even older. And then we read tarot. The tarot is really fun,、um, and it pairs perfectly with tea ceremony because the way I think tarot cards work. We're magnetized to the cards that speak to us, the archetypes that feel resonant with our lives right now. I think when our hearts are open, we're better magnets for these archetypes. And at the end of three bowls of tea in silence together, all of us kind of come back and realize, wow, our hearts are really open. And it just feels so good to sit in silence with other human beings and 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 honor trees. I think so often we have intuitions and we have knowings, and we're kind of just not listening, or we're feeling maybe a little confused, even if we're trying to listen. And I love how the tarot cards just clarify. I would the first card that comes to mind when you say favorite fair, tarot card is the star. The tarot card. There's this naked woman, sort of pouring water. Um, on the ground, and she's leaning into a pool of water, and these stars are aligned above her and around her, and it's like having a wind in your sails. The star really indicates the stars are aligned. Things are things are looking up for you. There's there's a sort of indication that you can move forward with what you want, or that you can trust that where you are right now is the right place to be. There's a a group of people in town who come to tea and tarot regularly and who read. The thing that's become so moving to me about these sessions is the hearing from everyone around the table what they're feeling called to share. That ends up being so profound and beautiful. We have a thriving community, tea community, and I would love to welcome you into that community. Those who feel called to. To participate, so we'll be at the library every Sunday. That was Jade Rose. The first tea and tarot session will take place this Sunday, April sixteenth, at two thirty, at the Wilkinson Library. Governor Jared Polis has named Jeff Davis as the new director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Davis comes to Colorado from Washington State, where he has worked in conservation policy for decades. In a statement, Davis says he is excited to both live and work in Colorado and understand the issues the state faces balancing recreation and human impacts with habitat preservation and the protection of its natural resources. Governor Polis has added two new state parks to Colorado's system and says opening Colorado's natural spaces to all of the state's residents continues to be one of his administration's priorities.
A bill that would add protections for Colorado tenants was approved by a state Senate committee on Tuesday. It would restrict a landlord's ability to ask for certain information from a tenant, including their rental history, income, and credit history. Landlords would also have to rent a unit to the first applicant if they meet the rental criteria. The bill would also limit security deposits to the equivalent of one month's rent. Tenants would also be able to pay those deposits in monthly installments. The measure now heads to the Senate floor. U.S. Senator Michael Bennett and U.S. Representative Joe Neguse, both Democrats, visited Glenwood Springs last week to talk about actions they're taking to try and halt the Yunta Basin Railway. The railway would use existing tracks to transport crude oil from Utah's Yunta Basin to refineries in the Gulf of Mexico. 100 miles of those tracks run directly along the Colorado River, including through Glenwood Canyon, the Upper Colorado, east of Dutzero, and Gore Canyon. Bennett says he recognizes that Colorado is an energy-producing state, but that fossil fuel production has remained steady under the Biden administration. So the idea that we'd be treating that is somehow an excuse for wanting to quit this beautiful river and this incredibly fragile valley at peril I think is a real mistake, and I think the administration will see it that way. Bennett and Nagoose have petitioned several federal agencies to pause the project, including the EPA, the Department of Transportation, and the Department of Agriculture. Both were optimistic that the Biden administration would take action to halt the project. Cuts to water use along the Colorado River could be spread evenly across some southwestern states. That's according to a draft federal plan released on Tuesday. KUNC's Luke Runyon has more. Record low levels at Lakes Mead and Powell prompted the federal government to look at how it might impose cuts to keep hydropower generation going at the nation's largest reservoirs. Department of Interior Deputy Secretary Tommy Boudreau says heavy snowfall this past winter has helped. But everyone who lives and works in the basin knows that one good year will not save us for more than two decades of drought. The federal plan presents a few options. One would reduce uses in Arizona, California, and Nevada based on current agreements and law. Another would levy cuts to water users in those states evenly across the board. A final plan is expected this summer. I'm Luke Runyon. In Utah, wildlife biologists are visiting bear dens and using GPS collars to gauge how many animals are in the state. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KZMU's Emily Arnson has more. Every spring, the Division of Wildlife Resources tries to estimate the state's black bear population so they know how many permits to sell during the hunting season. They want to know how many cubs are born each winter. To do this, DWR biologists track females with GPS collars and then visit their dens at the end of hibernation season to check for cubs. This year probably won't see a boom in Utah's bear population. Wildlife biologist Brad Crompton. Kind of got to think last summer, which started off mighty dry. And we've had severe drought for, for nearly a decade, so, um, so it could be a bit down based on last year. Next year this time, you'd anticipate a pretty good pulse in in production. Right now, we're in the foothills of the Book Cliffs near Cisco. We're about to visit the den of a 13-year-old bear that Crompton has been tracking since she was a cub. And she's done well and stayed in this 
Nash washed area of, of the book list for most of her life. She did have a really weird and random movement this fall. Just out of nowhere, she uh, decided to leave the book cliffs and go to Colorado. It was kind of this 100-mile voyage across the desert and spent a month out there, then just came right back. Is that for food, or why do you suppose that is? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, in the, just to look around to see if there's greener pastures somewhere else. Crompton has been crawling into bear dens for over a decade. Once he's in there, he tranquilizes the female so he can check for cubs and change the batteries on her GPS collar. Has a tranquilizer ever not worked? Yeah, often actually. What? Um, Just, you know, the nature of their metabolism right now is they're not metabolizing things very quickly. Have the bears ever been aggressive when you've gotten to their dens? They're scared, it appears. And they're defensive sort of stuff, but never, I I wouldn't say aggressive. The DWR keeps tabs on about 30 females every spring. Based on the data they collect from these bears, they can make an estimate about the larger population. Sometimes finding the den is the hardest part of the job, especially this year with the heavy snowfall. Even though Crompton had the bears' GPS coordinates, it's not like he knew the best way to get there. Watch out, watch out, rock, rock, rock. Crompton and his partner, wildlife biologist Joe Christensen, scrambled around in the snow to scout out a good path to get to the den. And while they were doing that, I stayed back with the rest of the group, which consisted of curious friends of the biologists, including one couple who brought their four-month-old baby. Once the biologists scouted the path, we hiked about a mile up a pretty steep ravine. How are we going to get down? We tried three different ways. (laughs) They were all bad. Oh, God. We all started whispering once we got to the bear den so we wouldn't disturb the bear, although I'm not sure how effective that was. Oh, yeah. oh God, the bear's gonna hear the baby. Wow. Do you think she's heard us? Hopefully not. Okay. After shoveling away the snow from the door of the den, Crompton crawled in face first to take a peek. Hey, bear. Calm down. All right, sweetie. Wide awake. After he tranquilized her, Crompton and Christensen got her out of the den and changed her collar. She didn't have any cubs, which most likely means she hadn't eaten enough before the winter started. If a female bear doesn't already have cubs, she will usually mate in the summer. But the cubs won't always develop if the female doesn't have enough body fat. The DWR says it's still too soon to gauge the black bear population this year. Biologists haven't been able to visit as many dens as they usually would by this time because the snow is just so deep. But they say they anticipate the population will be close to last year's at around 5,200 adults. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clouds and a chance of showers tonight with a low around 35 degrees. Thursday calls for sun with a high near 50 degrees and wind gusts reaching 35 miles per hour. Rain is likely to develop Thursday afternoon and could shift to snow overnight on Thursday night when the forecast low is around 30 degrees. A chance of snow showers continues on Friday, followed by partly sunny skies and a high near 50 degrees. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low around 20. This has been the news for Wednesday, April 12th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.
Koto News is scaling back for two weeks, with newscasts on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during that time. We will start back with our full news programming on April 17th.